You're listening to the Quality of Love Podcast. Your home for all things love, relationship, and mental health. Hosted by nationally certified life and relationship coach, Tyrone Dixon. Sit back, relax, and get tips on creating the life you deserve without wasting any more time. Welcome to the Quality of Love podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone Dixon, nationally certified life and relationship coach, husband, father to two beautiful princesses, and CEO and founder of A Rose Through Concrete Consulting. Thank you guys for taking the time out to listen in with us tonight. We really appreciate it. You guys, I have to start this show off with a special. This is not a Wednesday evening episode. This is a Thursday afternoon slash evening episode. Uh, and I am just in the process of, of getting over, well, not me getting over personally, but uh, getting our children over a cold with the assistance of my wife, of course. So uh, that is why I was not able to get an episode out on last night. So. You guys know I try to be as consistent as possible, so I definitely wanted to get the question and answer episode out this week before we uh, before we get too far backlogged into our question and answers and y'all start giving me the vibe that I'm not answering your questions or anything like that, right? So, um, sorry about the delay. Babies were sick. Uh, they're doing much better now. We're in a much better spot, obviously, because I'm delivering this question and answer episode to you guys. Also wanted to say before we get started, shout out to my very good friends, Curtis Chaplin, Grimes, and Saran Miller, uh, the CEO and founder of Humble Fit. Saran is and the founder of Option Zero is Curtis. Uh, both of those gentlemen have once again reached out and chosen to be sponsors of the show this evening. So shout out to both of those guys. It's really awesome. Actually, guys, I'm not going to lie to see opportunities and to see people reaching out for sponsorship not only my close friends but i just um i just recently had someone reach out to me on instagram that i might be able to partner with because i think what what they're looking to do and in the outcomes they're looking to achieve coincide really well with the quality of love podcast so i'm excited about that just looking to uh finalize those details and once they're finalized i'll certainly be sharing that with you guys and uh hopefully giving you access to some really really cool stuff at least i think it's cool all right with all of that being said and now that we're we've gotten the pleasantries out of the way our quote of the day comes from a mr roy t bennett and the quote reads change begins at the end of your comfort zone once again that quote is change begins at the end of your comfort zone and that quote is by mr roy t bennett for me that quote is really uh, a symbol of my frustration i would say uh in a lot of cases whenever i found myself getting extremely frustrated to the point where i feel like i'm just uncomfortable i'm not comfortable in any way shape or form that's usually right before i change and i elevate in life in some way shape or form so i try to think of this quote by mr bennett um and i I try to use it especially at times in which i'm extremely frustrated or i feel like um i'm stuck in in some way shape or form whether that's mentally 
emotionally, um, any type of way that I feel stuck or I feel like I'm stagnant. Uh, and I, I usually get uncomfortable when I become stagnant. So that is a, a, a clear indicator that to me personally, that I'm on a process or in the process of leveling up. And uh, yeah, so that, that's that's kind of where I got that quote from and what that quote means to me. Change begins at the end of your comfort zone. Let's kick it off by touching on our questions from our relationship and mental health side of things. Question number one. How do I talk to my boyfriend about hanging out with other girls? Most of his friends are females, some of who have some of whom, excuse me, have questionable history with being untrustworthy. I trust him, but not them. What should I do? Once again, that question is, how do I talk to my boyfriend about him hanging out with other girls? Most of his friends are girls, some of whom have questionable history of being untrustworthy. I trust him, not them. What should I do? I think this is about boundaries and you need to have a conversation with him and, and let him know exactly how you feel without the sugar coated portion of it and let him know that it makes you uncomfortable when he hangs out with uh, with women, especially women that have a questionable um, history, right? They've done things that make them untrustworthy or that's proven to you or anybody within that's been around them that they're not trustworthy people. So I would have a very frank conversation with him to begin with any man, woman, any anybody really that respects and loves you um, to the point where your needs are important. They'll take that information in in a serious manner and they'll do something about it. All right. So uh, what you can also do here is use this as a parameter for your relationship. If this gentleman says, you know what, baby, you're right. I will not hang out with them anymore. Then that's an indicator that he really is someone who cares and and um, wants the best for you and adheres to your feelings. If he says, "Oh no, you're you're overreacting, or you're being too this, that, and your third, or you're you're acting too emotional," then there's a pretty good chance that that gentleman um, is not aware of the fact that this need is very very important for you, and you want to make sure that it's met. Either way. Once you have that frank conversation, it'll give you an avenue in which to attack, right? Either this gentleman is all about you and is like, baby, you're right, I'll stop. Or he'll make an excuse for continuing to hang out with females, which means that your needs are not necessarily a priority to him. Question number two, my girlfriend went out with another guy. Is that cheating? Once again, that question is, my girlfriend went out with uh, went out, excuse me, with another guy. Is that cheating? Um, I don't know that that's uh, that's a little too vague for me to to make an accurate uh, assumption in that situation. Right. Going out with someone can entail a lot of things Did they go out for dinner. Did they go out for drinks? Did they go out and uh, hook up? Did they go out and have sexual intercourse? Did they um, have oral sex? Like what? I need a little more information from you um, before I can answer that question, I think, to to its full capacity. With that being said, I think the more important thing to to ask yourself is, are you OK with that? Right. Are you OK with your girlfriend going out with another guy, whatever the extent of going out was or whatever they did while they went out? It, it's to come secondary with you feeling comfortable with your girlfriend going out with another gentleman. Right. So identify how you feel about it, whether it's cheating or not. If it's something that makes you uncomfortable to make sure you address it with your girlfriend, um, being that she is your girlfriend. I don't know, man, that's, that's 
I don't I don't see the the need or I don't see her um wanting to go out with another gentleman as necessary. So I would I would do some more digging and some more research on that, my man. And try to figure out what uh what they did when they were out and then whatever whatever the case is, whatever she comes back and says, just know that it's all about how comfortable you are, right? So if whether they did anything or not, whether she cheated or not, if this makes you uncomfortable, make sure she's aware of that and she does not continue to display or do things like that. If she does, pretty good chance you want to get up out of there, my man. Question number three. Why do so many people break up or get divorced? Once again, that question is, why do so many break so many people break up or get divorced? I think it's 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 much trickier than what what's on the surface in a lot of cases. Uh, so you see irreconcilable differences and you think that people couldn't get along or just couldn't um, communicate effectively over long periods of time. I really think uh, and this is something that I didn't come to the realization of until I became a, a, a relationship coach myself. And I really, truly, in my heart of hearts, I believe that um, sometimes people just grow apart, man, right? You start off with one common destination, a common journey and an idea in mind for the relationship um, for both parties, for what you're going to do, what they're going to do, goals together. And over time, it's just humans change, man. We're, we're adapting and adjusting at it at an alarming rate. So, over time, people grow apart. And I think that when you do stick together in a lot of cases, that's where you start to feel resentment as if you're you're being controlled or trapped. So the people that don't want to feel that resentment or are tired of feeling that resentment usually end up breaking up with their partner or getting a divorce. Um, but that's that's my personal take on it. There's no way that someone can give you a definitive answer on that because it's specific to each individual person. Uh, but certainly things change over time, man. And I think the older I get, the less I look at like relationship breaks up, breakups and divorce as such a negative thing or such a bad thing. Because uh, the reality is that sometimes it's just you grow apart. Different dynamics are infused into a situation. And if you've ever um, had dated someone and then you guys went through like lifestyle changes or life changes, like gotten pregnant and gotten married, there's a lot of change that comes with that. And in a lot of cases, I don't think we we as human beings are prepared for that. Right. We can say and try to prep ourselves as much and as often as we possibly want or or could try to but man i'm telling you man like dealing like just me using me as an example dealing with things like postpartum depression and like your partner just being off chemically is it's really really difficult um to process those things and to deal with those things so um yeah don't don't always look at breaking up and divorcing as such a negative thing Sometimes it's a positive thing for both parties because they've grown apart and the there's just so many different dynamics in the situation now. Finally, question number four. Why do most married couples change after they get married? Once again, that question is, why do most married couples change after they get married? I think people people view marriage as like this end all be all thing. It's like, all right, once we get married, I can just kind of put put everything on coast mode or just kind of relax and become complacent. And I I firmly believe that that's where a lot of people struggle in marriage, right? Because marriage is not a a, a destination. Marriage is something that you get to, and then you you realize that 
you it's willing it's worth being willing to continue to work with this person because you love them so much and because you appreciate them so much right so that makes the work piece of it worth it and the unconditional acceptance piece of it worth it as well once you have an absence of unconditional acceptance and an absence of willingness to work on the relationship to be better for your partner and be better for yourself that's where you start to see the changes in the marriage and you'll hear things like oh well this person acted this way prior to us getting married married now they act this way or this person used to do this prior to us getting married now they do that and it it just becomes one of those things where people look at marriage as a destination like yes all right once we get there we can just like coast and we can put our feet up and relax when in fact it's not a destination it's a moving target is what it really is frankly a moving target where you have to constantly adapt adapt excuse me and adjust to the ever-changing environment and the ever-changing dynamics within your relationship and then also within the world that we live in All right, let's touch on some insight from a former narcissist. Question number one, how do I take my back my power from a narcissist? Once again, that question is, how do I take back my power from a narcissist? The best and most effective way in which to take your power back from a narcissist or to let them know that you're no longer in their control or under their control is to not respond to any of their digs at you, not respond to any of their... Uh, opportunities to try to play victim not respond to any of their negativity or their smear campaigns right so when they try to put you down that is the absolute best revenge for any narcissist because the narcissistic individuals feed off of their responses from other people right so it's when you respond that's when they they like get their adrenaline rush and they're like yes all right cool he or she responded let me continue to poke the bear until they continue to have emotional responses so if you really really want to take your power back from the individual that is a narcissist don't fight him at all right ignore him ignore his tech him or her i should say ignore their tactics and uh watch how quickly they they start to uh discombobulate and get confused and eventually start to latch on to another supply because they know that you're no longer someone who will play the role of victim to a narcissist question number two what would be the reason my narcissistic ex-girlfriend still stays with him knowing oh i should say whoa this this got crazy what would be the reason my ex's narcissistic girlfriend still stays with him after knowing I'm pregnant with his child. Whoa. Let me read that again. What would be the reason my ex-narcissist girlfriend still stays with him after knowing I'm pregnant with his child? Whoa, that's loaded there. Um, She probably very much like you if she understands or knows that or even is unaware that this gentleman is a narcissist. She's under his control now, right? So she's under... Um, his narcissistic spell, his narcissistic charm spell. And regardless of where you fit into that dynamic or not, she only sees him. And I can also almost guarantee you that he's probably, if she's staying with him, he's telling her a different story or a different angle than, than the angle you think that you're telling, that he's telling her. All right. So 
you might be saying, okay, well, I'm pregnant now, so this is going to change everything, and this is going to make him come back with me, when in fact, he's probably with her telling her, hey, this was a mistake, and if you leave me, I'll be devastated, or if you go anywhere, I'll be devastated, and you know I love you, you're the only one I really care about, I just had sex with her. All of those type of manipulation type of things um, are probably being said behind your back, right, which is why she would still stay. I think more importantly, you got yourself into a hell of a situation here, right? The fact that you went back to your ex and decided to get pregnant by him. I hope you didn't think that this would cause the narcissistic individual to now want to be with you and solely you. It's just not how they are wired. Um, I hate to say this, but please prepare to do a majority of the parenting load on your own. Um, you can't expect too much help from an individual that's that you know is a narcissist, because what will happen is you'll you'll think that someone will be there to be supportive of you and supportive of your child when in fact their their only concern and their primary concern is themselves. They don't think too much or too often um, about others outside of themselves. So be mindful of that. Um, yeah, man, it's it's. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's going to certainly be an uphill battle um, knowing that you're pregnant with his child and he's still with um, his current girlfriend. That's that, that's a recipe for disaster, if you ask me. Question number four. Can you have a healthy relationship with a narcissist? Once again, that question is, can you have a healthy relationship with a narcissist? Absolutely not no way shape or form right if you could have a healthy relationship with a narcissistic individual um then they wouldn't be a narcissist right they would be someone who cares about you and cares about your needs and cares about the needs of others within their ecosphere or atmosphere when in fact that's just not it's not how a narcissistic individual is wired so you could never have a healthy relationship with a narcissistic individual all narcissistic relationships are toxic, involve um, emotional abuse, physical abuse, psychological abuse, all type of, of abuses and um, isolation, right? All of those things, you can't put healthy relationship in that in any of those categories. So to answer your question, no, you cannot have a healthy relationship with a narcissistic individual. And I would encourage you not to try to trick yourself into thinking that you can. Question number five, how does a narcissist know they aren't in love? Once again, the question is, oh, actually not how does, does a narcissist know they aren't in love? Again, let me just repeat it for a third time. Does a narcissist know that they aren't in love? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a narcissist by definition uh, is limited when it comes to, to their scope of love. So they don't really love much outside of themselves. Right. So um, say they definitely know they aren't in love and they certainly don't think in terms of love, I should say. That's probably a better response to it. They don't think in terms of love. Right. So as typical human beings, we're like, oh, we love them. We love this. We love that. We love this area. We love this about them. Narcissistic individuals don't think like that. Their thought process is more of, oh, what can I get out of this relationship? How can I take advantage of this person and make sure it's to my benefit? How can I continue to keep them down while at the same time elevating myself? Right. That's not love. There can be no love involved in that type of situation. So, um, yes, they know they aren't in love, but they will certainly say that they love you in order to keep you under their control.
finally, question number six. How does a narcissist react to rejection from an ex? Once again, that question is, how does a narcissist react from rejection from an ex? Uh, the most the most I've seen in terms of response, depending upon what the rejection looked like. If it was like a passive rejection and they think that they might still be able to, to get you in some way, shape or form under their under their spell. They'll continue to try um, periodically, though. They won't be persistent. They'll try maybe one month, give it a couple months, try again, give it a couple months, try again. If they really feel that you are somebody that's completely done with them, you're over them, you don't need them anymore, you don't want to be around them, so on and so forth, then in those instances, the narcissistic individual will take the rejection and look for another supply. Right. So they're just they'll take the rejection like, OK, all right, I've rejected by my ex, but let me find someone else that I can create and make a supply. Right. Who I can put under my wing here and just take advantage of and manipulate to the maximum extent. Right. So, um, yeah, if you're the ex in this situation, just stay away from that narcissistic individual. Their boat, their boat will sink on its own. All right, guys, that's all we have for you guys this afternoon. Remember, you're more than welcome to hit us up at TQLP20 at gmail.com with any questions that you guys have for our Wednesday episodes. Once again, that's TQLP20 at gmail.com. Or you're more than welcome to hit us up at the Quality of Love podcast. As always, guys, remember, the quality of love and relationships that you have in your life will determine the quality of your life. Peace and love.